All right. Welcome to the Operations Mastery Podcast. I'm here with Amanda Webster. She's the COO of Funding Grow, massive multi-million dollar capital financing business, and we're excited to have her on. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So real quick, just give people an idea of the services, the core service you provide to businesses, and then maybe an idea of like the size of your of your company. Sure. So Funding Grow started in Ari's living room with no employees, which is Ari, and then he hired one and we've grown from there. Uh, but we are a business credit funding opportunity. It's an area that not a lot of people know exist. Um, we are able to fund startups, seasoned businesses, doesn't matter. Um, and we don't require a lot of the um, red tape that the traditional business lending does. And also, again, you can be a startup and get the funding. So we actually developed a we didn't start this way, but where we are today is we developed a white glove service that's a membership for 12 months, and it does uh, business credit over that time because it takes a couple of rounds of stuff to get everything to build up to what we call up to 250000 in business credit. And where we really specialize is looking at the best offers that have 0% intro rates, but also the best points and rewards for everyone's businesses, which every profile is a little different. So we have a very tailored, structured uh, membership that's individualized for each person. Um, and we have kind of streamlined that in a way to be able to provide a huge amount of people with this service. Amazing. As, yeah, go ahead. So all types of businesses like sizing? Yeah. It doesn't matter what size the business is. You could have zero employees. You could have a hundred employees. That doesn't matter for business credit. It's um, just kind of a very individual path that people just don't realize. It shouldn't necessarily be the only funding option you have once you grow. It can be the only funding for a startup, but it's definitely a piece of the pie that every business should have. I mean, we literally have grown funding grow with business credit. That's how Ari was able to grow this company from his living room to where we are today. And I'm sitting in a multi-million dollar building. It's the second building he's purchased um, with the commercial lending side, which is kind of what business credit builds up to. And like I said, he started with one employee. I now have uh, roughly 65 uh, working within the Fund and Grow umbrella. Wow. Yeah, because I think everyone's familiar with like hard money loans and different lenders uh, and obviously direct through the bank, but few are aware of what's possible in terms of business credit, including myself. So um, that is like incredibly, incredibly interesting, especially if you can get a 0% interest rate. And so I imagine one of the challenges you have is, especially in this space where there's not a lot of trust, it's like educating consumers or, or business owners. That's how we start with everybody that gets introduced to us is educating them just even what business credit is. Yeah. Let alone what we can do for them. And so can you really talk about that? Is that part of your sales process? Is this in your marketing? Like, how do you educate these people um, on these things? Because I think a lot of companies failing to grow and sell and attract more leads are failing to educate. Like, how do you do that? Yeah. Well, that's the two, the two things that make businesses fail is the lack of capital and then the lack of ability to educate or showcase what you actually can do for them. Mm -hmm. um, so we we practice what we preach in every in every way that we do it. So we integrate into all of our marketing. I don't want a salesperson talking to somebody unless they've actually watched a webinar, 
um, participated in the live event we've had, went through our course that we offer. Like if you go on Pinterest, there's a, a free course. All of those things they're not your traditional lead magnets because we truly are trying to educate you before you ever come in because mm -hmm. I'm not one that likes refunds, even though we offer it. So I want to educate and make sure those expectations are 100% laid before you even talk to somebody at our office. So we focus that very heavy in the front. That way it makes the expectation and the sale that much easier that my, my sales team is able to just make sure they're qualified build the plan for them and then pass them to the next member of that, of the cycle and the team. I'm sure salespeople love, love that. <laughs> they do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can tell. Yeah. We, expectations and education, two keywords you said are totally underrated in business. They also help, like you said, with refunds post-sale. Yeah. So these clients, they ask less questions, they bother customer support less. They just understand how it works and it's much faster. And so I love that you guys take that very, very seriously. Yeah, I always, uh, the staff here um, and the person that runs our retention side, which is what we call that, because we always want to retain clients. I don't want to refund clients. Um, we always say retention starts from the moment somebody enters into any funnel we have. It, it has to start from there. Otherwise, you're just playing catch up the whole time. Incredible. What other areas of the business have been hardest to like solve and grow on your journey to 65 employees? Um, that you think also is integral to, to your growth? I think we've had two weird shifts happen and I've been able to experience them both, which is, is just been crazy, is when you're growing so fast that you have to sacrifice quality employees to quantity employees because you can't service your clients. That is something that we hit with the pandemic because we are this alternate route for people and lending just dried up so quickly during that 2020, 2021 era, our workforce doubled. And we are located in a place that isn't necessarily able to, you know, to get all those quality people in the door. And so we did have to deal with, okay, how do we hire quality? Because if not, I'm, I'm wasting money on training and then, you know, trying to get people to do a job that they truly just can't do. And I can't even focus on the, the strategic operations because I'm too busy just making sure the clients are serviced. So I think when you hit a growth spurt like that, that is a huge challenge and a learning curve for everyone that was involved. And then the backside of that, right? Then you have so many quantity and then you now don't, everything kind of slows down or levels off. And now you have to figure out who those quality people are, which is never fun in management, um, is figuring out, you know, where people you know, can be quote unquote sacrificed because they, that job is no longer needed. So those are the two things that have been fun. So we actually have been above and had to come back down and making sure that our staff is not only quality, but efficient and getting all the support systems in place. Um, when you grow that fast, you tend to not have middle management in place properly. And that creates a whole slew of problems. So how have you solved that problem exactly? Is it just you went through a round of, of small layoffs or now you have middle management in place and it's really a people problem of just uh, having enough people to manage? Or do you have like, I don't know, KPIs, systems, so, HR management flows? Yeah, go ahead. So there's a problem. So when you grow too fast, you kind of sacrifice all those things. So basically what mm -hmm. we had to do is say, okay, hold on a second. We cannot fix staffing issues until we fix 
policies, procedures, KPIs, middle management, higher man. You have to go through almost like an entire restructure to Mm -hmm. figure that out. And that's what we did. We um, we had to go through and see. We had managers that shouldn't have been managers. You know, we had people that got elevated because we just had to do it so quickly. So we actually took a step back. Um, we didn't do any layoffs. That's not something that I would ever want to do. It was more about finding out, you know, who really belongs here, who is in the wrong position, even because sometimes it's not even about that. They can't work for you. There's, there's, you're not looking at their strengths. So it was basically an in, a complete internal audit, which is something that I spearhead with my CPO. And I had to kind of sacrifice some other projects so that we could, we spent probably six months completely restructuring, reorganizing, hiring in the right middle managers. I brought in all new middle management. Nobody was someone that worked here previously Mm -hmm. um, to get different perspective, which is sometimes what you need. One of Ari's things, and I completely agree, is the same people that brought you from zero to a million are not going to bring you from a million to 10 million. It just doesn't work that way. You have to always think outside the box and find, even if it's on employees, consultants, that can help you grow to that next level. So I think that was just realizing that that was a downfall that we had to fix and then stopping everything. We, we stopped hiring for a minute, just figuring all of it out and putting everybody where they go. And now I can honestly say that we have the best team. I, I hope that I don't even, I don't even wanna have to hire right now. I just don't even like disrupt the balance. Cause I feel like not only do we have the best team but everybody's in the role that's best for their strengths. So we did a lot of like personality tests and different strength tests within the Mm. staff that we had to make sure they were where they wanted to be. I talk about a chessboard all the time, Mm. how I'm always playing chess with people and figuring out what is each person's growth paths. Even Mm. my producer who's sitting in this room today uh, did not start as my producer. He actually was like employee number two, funny enough, and he's done pretty much everything in uh, in this office. Um, and weirdly enough, where he belongs is right here in the studio. It's it's the craziest thing. Mm. And so what you're describing to me is something I've read in tons of books and places. It's incredible that you, your leadership team and yourself lack or had the foresight when dealing with the chaos of overgrowth to put all of these things in place. When you go back to that moment, was there like consultants somewhere you learned this from? Was it just years of experience? Like how did you know to even um, recategorize people in the right seats? Like, where did you learn all this? Um, So I I do have a a pretty solid education in business management, but I also came with 17 years of of law firm industry experience and was Mm. managing law firms. And that is a whole different animal when dealing with attorneys and paralegals um, and the clientele there, because I did family law, So there's a lot of high stress. Um, So Mm -hmm. I think it's something, it's a combination of education and experience, but I think what really rocked the boat is I actually entered Fund and Grow at the time that all of this was starting to happen. Mm -hmm. So I came as an outside perspective of, hey, why are we doing it this way? Hey, Mm -hmm. what? And that's where I was like, all right, stop. We need to hire new middle managers. We need somebody from outside. I hired someone that was managing a Lowe's. Like, Weirdest probably think that people would think that I would bring someone that's managing a Lowe's store, 
to come in and manage my funding department, mm-hmm. but it was one of the best decisions we ever made. He mm-hmm. is is a solid middle level manager, and I have high hopes that he'll you know he'll be able to grow from there. And then brought someone from uh, a construction office uh, that you know that was managing that into managing our our client service department. It's just it's it's looking at what are the strengths of everybody, and I think I've had to do that with paralegals and with even with attorneys. Um, so, and those are really difficult conversations on those levels that this was to me, not hard. It was just, you had to have the time and I had to be willing to sacrifice and also get Ari's buy-in, get the CEO to buy in. Hey, I need like six months to do this. Mm. Uh, and luckily he, he did give me that. And I was able to, with, like I said, with my other management team, put this all in place. And I think you have to be humble enough to step back and see it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, Again, it's going to set you up for failure because you're going to overgrow. You now have a bunch of, you know, staff that you didn't even give the right tools to be successful. Because mm-hmm. if you don't have KPIs in place for them to measure them, if you don't have SOPs in place for them to even know what they're supposed to be following, if you don't have the right support systems in place, they don't even know where to turn. Um, so it was it was definitely a moment where, as a company, you have to look at that. And I think any company, when you go from zero to 5 million and then 5 million to 20 million, you have to hit that wall. Cause if you don't, I, I don't, I don't even, you got lucky, I guess, cause there's no way that you can't have those problems and those growth points. Yeah. I think almost every business I've talked to that is broken past one, 5 million has had the same realization and they've only gotten that way by instead of fixing leaks, like solving the root problem, which I think you did incredibly well, uh, and realizing that okay, we, we can't just keep hiring or it's not one hire that we need to make. It's they need SOPs and processes and good training and all of these things that are going to make them successful and they need to be in the right seat. So you like took a step back, which is something that's hard to do. And I, I hope people realize they need to do it, write some things from scratch and then begin to to rebuild. And so it's impressive that you and your CEO had the foresight to make that a priority instead of the probably three or four other projects on your plate that were really critical at the time um, yeah. and realize what was important, which after you get past like 10 employees, like your people are every, they're the ones talking to all the customers, they're the ones closing, retaining everything. And they're, they're everything uh, along with, along with process. And so I like that. That was the core focus. Yeah. And, and to be honest, that's, and I think everybody here knows that. I mean, I, I have, meetings and I'm always out and open. I'm not a manager that sits in my office. I'm always out running around and uh, making sure everybody has the ability that I'm approachable, that, you know, I always encourage ideas and things like that. Your investment in your team is the most thing, the most singular thing that's going to make you be successful. Mm -hmm. And even going as far as like onboarding, onboard, the CPO Mm -hmm. had to completely revamp how we even hired interviewed, onboarded everything. Because uh, one of the things I noticed was company culture, although I knew what it was, I didn't feel it in the mm-hmm. beginning because it wasn't the forefront of that onboarding. And company culture in this day and age for this workforce is one of the most important factors of why they take a job. 100%. Yeah. And it's hard to just write it. It's not really what you say. It's kind of what the whole ethos of the company is. It starts with onboarding, how you treat people, every everything. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's really impressive. Now kind of shifting gears past people and into, you know, there's a lot of companies, I don't care if you're 10 employees or a hundred or 200, but 
some are not profitable. And so how have you been able to grow and like maintain margin, you know, have success financially? Is there, and keep the team lean um, as well. So you're not like overstaffed. How, how do you look at that? And why do you think you've grown not just in headcount, but also in, in you know, revenue and, and profit? So one of the, you use the word lean, which is funny because it's been one of my like hot words for the last like six months also is, you know, you have to have uh, my CFO and I have a very open, honest relationship. We're always talking numbers. He's always my checks and balances. He'll question me if I'm trying to spend money. But we actually went through and you also have to be willing to do a complete financial audit. Once you once you get to these numbers, right? Because it's so easy to overspend in every area. Mm. People is usually your highest percentage of your of your overall um, spend every month. But at the same time, that is only important if the revenue keeps growing. Like if if it's if your numbers thirty percent, forty percent of your revenue is spent on your your people, but your revenue just keeps growing and that number doesn't get out of scale, that's okay. You just got to figure out that that sweet spot of where that is. So I think leaning out your financials is one of those things. A lot of companies get a little crazy on subscriptions and services and all these different things. And they just almost like your personal life, you forget what you sign up for sometimes. Um, so we did also a financial audit on the backside of this to see what are we spending every month in every area and where are we overspending and lean that out so that we can ride through even if I'm spending 50% on my on my salary side. So um, we even gave raises when other people weren't because again, people are your, your best asset. So I think it's just a matter of finding what you're okay with and also knowing what you can sacrifice because you know sometimes you're paying for things that you just don't really need. We were overspending on a lot of things. And when I took all that out, it made that percentage just so much more realistic that I didn't have to really cut anything. But on the backside, when you have to cut and it's a person, you just gotta do it. You can't, you can't keep employees on if they are gonna make it where you're profitable or not. You, you have to be willing to let it go. It's hard, I know, I hate that decision. We've, we've definitely made it a couple times with a couple positions that just didn't make sense anymore. Um, and when you can absorb those tasks, one salary can make a huge difference on that P&L statement. So you have to be willing to make those tough decisions, unfortunately, but it's also not a once and done. We do this every quarter now. Mm -hmm. So that's the only way we keep it balanced is every quarter, look at every single piece what each department's bringing in, what their budget is, and, and and having it. Once you create it, it's a lot easier to kind of look at every every quarter. Yeah. Super smart, super smart. And so kind of shifting gears here, when you have this credit stacking program that you've moved 30,000 plus entrepreneurs through, and then I'm sure you have thousands of clients and, and all of that, typically you have to manage them uh, in some sort of technology, a couple platforms, maybe some automation. Can you talk about a little of those, you know, your technology, your backend, your systems on how you're able to manage such a high volume of, of client work? So a few years back, we were able to get off of the off the shelf type of CRM. And we actually ended up developing our own CRM that's customized mm -hmm. for our client experience. What we do is kind of specific. Not a lot, not a lot of CRMs can can do that. Um, so that was a big undertaking that definitely took a hit on the PL to develop to develop that. However, in the end, it's made all of our departments so much more efficient that we've been able to 
maintain the staff level, but yet increase the amount of clients we have. Mm-hmm. So it, the cost ended up working out. And, and, you know, when you look at all the, the pieces, so I think having the custom CRM has been huge, but we also are very um, much on the forefront of tech. So, you know, we're using automations within our CRM. I also have email automations in a, you know, a separate system, but it's also speaking with my CRM through back APIs. Um, you know, we have kind of everything's interconnected. So everything's been built, although it can be somewhat fun when you have little updates here and there. It's worth it because literally everything is speaking to each other now. And that was, um, again, another audit that you have to always do. But looking at those systems and what are important, what are not. And we use things like Active Campaign for our email. That's both our marketing emails, but also even our client side. When someone climbs up, signs up, they go through an automation that's nice, pretty emails of welcoming them, making sure that they know who to call next, how to make the next appointment for their uh, processing call, things like that. Um, and then we have um, SMS automations. Of course, most of that's on the marketing side. Uh, most of our services on the tech are really geared towards marketing more than they are for the fulfillment. Mm. The fulfillment's pretty much driven completely by our custom CRM. You don't have to do custom CRMs to be successful. You can use the, you know, off the shelf, off the box. And a lot of them have, you know, certain levels of customization, but a CRM is key. You can't, you cannot operate without one. It's, I don't care what business you're in at the law firms, we had them. Um, it's always nice, you know, on that firm, having the mail mergeability to to create template letters and forms and things like that were huge. Same thing on this side. We have a bunch of email templates that it's just pressing a button, sending a client an update email, putting in a little piece of information, sending that out. Um, we also have a way, um, we call it future entries. That's kind of how we keep everything flowing. We make sure no client goes more than 30 days without having some type of contact with us, no matter where they're at in the process. Because sometimes there are periods of rest in our program, but we make sure that somebody is reaching out and talking to them and making sure they don't have questions and they didn't get forgotten, things like that. But the tech side, I think the most important piece is these systems should work for you, not the other way around. They should make your life easier and they should make all of your staff more efficient. If they're not, it's not the right support system for you. 100%. I always say that this is something we're looking at in terms of KPIs is like, how many clients can we handle per employee? We have account managers. Every company does it differently, but the better we are with systems, tech automation, the more clients each person can manage or revenue. And that's just direct like profit. Um, yep. And so I like that you guys look at it, look at it that way. And then at a certain size, I could see the need for a custom CRM. So yeah. um, it's impressive you guys made that big leap because it's not one and done. You have to maintain it. So I'm sure you either have engineers or a firm that you work with to do that. But um, I, I I do like the jump. Yeah. No, we have a dev team. They're overseas, uh, but they are a dedicated dev team to us even now. And uh, we continue to develop because it makes sense. Again, it's always about what's going to make us more efficient, make us be able to handle more clients without increasing, you know, staffing needs until necessary. And then we've had a lot of cross-training, which is another thing I'm huge on is cross-training people so that they can cover more than one position in those times where it's, you know, you just you don't have quite enough for another full-time employee but you have enough that's a little bit extra so it's kind of cross training and being able to work as a team so that we don't hire until it's actually needed 100 i love that you guys do that 
And yeah, I don't think people realize how much those little things add up, such as you know, future tasks, reminders, updates to clients, one-click reporting, using templates, those little things that I'm sure you've iterated and added over time add like massively to to the efficiency of the business. Yeah, even in the in the business development room, in the sales room, it's the same thing as giving them all the resources to be able to get through as many people that have reached out to us as possible. You know, there's only so much time in the day, so many hours in the day. And we, as long as, you know, we're able to, to facilitate that, that's how we're going to do it. But again, as soon as we have the need, we hire, we don't, we're not scared of it, but we also hire quality. So what may have only taken a couple of weeks in the past might take me six weeks to find the right candidate now, because the job market is very interesting right now, especially where, where we're located in Florida. So it's uh, it's more of a blue collar, you know, town mm -hmm. that we're, we're surrounded in. So it can be a little bit more difficult to get through and find those quality people. So we have to make sure we're planning well in advance if we're going to have that need. Mm, love it. Um, so we pretty much covered everything, people, processes, tech, uh, even sales and marketing expectations, education. I'd say this has been pretty efficient. Do you have anything else like blanket advice you have for business owners or you know anyone in your space in terms of operations? I think that the one thing that people have to understand is nothing in it is set and forget. There, That doesn't exist. Um, yeah. So there's always updates and audits and reevaluating things every single week, every single month. You can't, you can't ever sit because that's how they get behind. That's how you get into that problem where you have to now reorganize and restructure everything. So I think if you just put in the work, um, my hire an executive assistant. If you are chief level, hire an executive assistant. I know that I just said don't hire until you need it, but that is the one thing Ari made me do. And now I've learned to embrace it. And I will tell you, she's really taken a lot of things off my plate that I shouldn't have had to do, but I just didn't have a one person that could do it. It was kind of spread all over. So I will say that um, an EA can be huge and there's plenty of services where you can do part-time EAs and online EAs and you can make it affordable. Um, but it's definitely one of the things I would give any chief level you know, that owner, whoever, hire yourself someone who can help organize you, keep you organized. Because I'm a very A personality, very organized. But uh, even I, there's not enough time in the day for me to keep all my tasks. So she has to poke me quite a bit to get me to do everything. Yeah. Well, and, and I would say like, especially at your level, the stuff you're working on and your time is really important. And you want as much time to go towards the biggest thing on your plate and not the little things. It like really, really matters. So forking up the money for a VA is is absolutely worth it. So I totally yeah. agree. Delegation is is a is an art that must be learned in yeah, order to grow. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So this has been amazing. Amanda, thank you so much for this interview. Really, really valuable things for our audience. And yeah, I appreciate it. And if if anyone needs business is interested in learning about credit, business credit, yeah. uh, this is the place to go. Yeah. yeah look us up, fundandgrow.com. We're here uh, five days a week. We don't work on the weekends, but uh, you know, we're here. There's a free webinar uh, on the main website. It doesn't cost anything. Go in, learn about it. Ari walks you through the whole process, everything that's in there. There's a huge Q&A on the backside. It's, it was a live event that's recorded that we then repurpose in the, in the 
on demand side. That's my um, my director in the sales room who's giving all those Q&A responses. So it's a lot of education. I would never want you to call us or sign up without having that education first. Love it. Well, thanks again, Amanda. Thank you so much.